0: Hello and welcome to Not To Get Political, the podcast where we delve into the world of politics and hope to remain unscathed. I'm your host, The Champagne Socialist, and I'm very delighted to announce that for our first guest for this podcast, I am joined by Patsy Stevenson. Patsy is a feminist writer and activist. Patsy, it is lovely to have you here.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: So how did you get into activism?
1: God, I mean, going back a long time, um, I think I was always like an activist, but I didn't really know what it meant. And so I remember being, I think I was like 10 years old or something, and there was, I used to drink cow's milk, I don't anymore because that's gross. But I, at the time, I remember seeing like cows, and I was like, oh, I wonder if the cows who are producing that milk are okay in the farm. Yeah. It was a really small thing, but I ended up calling Sainsbury's <laughs> over and over and over again, to the point where they were like, okay it's this cow it's this farm and I was like okay good and I made sure the cow was okay and it was such a small thing but I thought you know I mean that is activism activism can be really small um another one was uh when we had like a fox hunting ban repeal and David Ames was uh unfortunately the late David Ames was um he was the MP where I lived at the time And I wrote to him and he was a very kind man, although he didn't we did not see eye to eye on a lot of things. He was very nice to people that wrote to him um, and he was fully supportive of the band. So things like that. Um, But yeah, I didn't really like when the vigil happened, I was just at university. I wasn't really I'd stand up for things um, and I was part of a women in STEM group. Um, at okay. uni but because you studied physics yeah right, I belief? studied yeah. physics I was really into it and and it was a shame like I've failed now which is annoying um but I I just kept doing the women's rights stuff yeah. and I just found myself not really having enough time for the university stuff that's
0: understandable I guess yeah. it's um I've often spoken to other activists and they've talked about this idea of sort of activist burnouts where it essentially reaches a point where you've been going on for so long
1: mm. and
0: then you sort of stop for a moment and just this, collapse oh yeah it collapsed yeah. You, you're just completely exhausted but I want to talk about uh the vigil and sort of the build-up to it now for those of you who don't know what we are uh referring to we're referring to the Sarah Everard vigil which happened two years ago wasn't it
1: 2021 yeah
0: okay. could you um sort of talk us through
1: yeah so um what happened for me like I said I was a uni student um I hadn't gone out during COVID or anything like that um very much stuck to the rules, and then. Um,
0: that makes that's uh, yeah. considering the current climate of everything yeah, that was going on. I
1: know. I think at the same sort of time the vigil was going on, uh, the same sort of time I was being arrested was around the time Boris Johnson was apparently having a party or attending a party or. Oh, he wine he, didn't, he didn't know it was a party, he was ambushed oh, by a cake. Right, don't don't yeah. forget that. Don't I, d- forget I that. didn't know that the vigil was going on, I just happened to be there apparently. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> you've got to cut that bit out. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm keeping that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, like, so. I basically, um, a week before the vigil, um, my uncle, um, my mum called me up and said my uncle was in hospital um, because he was homeless and he was staying at a hostel and he had had a heroin overdose. Um, And so he was unconscious, he was still alive, um, but I immediately went to Brighton from Egham and um, looked after him for the next five days and that was really hard he was completely unconscious um I just kind of wanted the doctors to know that he had a family and stuff and to really like try the hardest and they did um and you know when he passed away um I found out a lot of stuff and one of the um hostel workers said that my uncle was asking for me as he's been put into the stretcher and stuff like that um and said that I was his next of kin and so Obviously it was in no paperwork, but for me that really hit me hard of like, oh, I was responsible, like yeah. I have this responsibility and I am an adult and I can do these things. Um, and then I went home, you know, absolute grief-stricken. And then that was like the first time I'd watched TV in ages because I don't really watch TV. Yeah. But I saw that Sarah Everard had gone missing. Um, and I can't remember if we'd found out she'd been murdered um, then, Because it was all quite a blur. But I remember seeing it and just thinking, though I I can't believe this is happening and I felt so bad for her family because I knew where my uncle was and they don't even know where she is and I just it you know, to think of them going through that that was a lot. Um so so yeah, I went and and then and then I was photographed being
0: arrested. Yeah. because I remember when I was when all of that was going on and I was covering, uh, covering covering what was going on at the time uh, via via TikTok and I was on live I was on a li- doing a live stream at the time, and we were talking about um, what uh, men can do to help women feel safe, which we will get on to later. Um, and I remember people in the comments going, "You've seen what's happening in London, you've seen what's happening at the vigil." I was like, "What's going on the vigil?" So I go on Twitter and I see what's going on. I see way use of police officers basically kettling predominantly young women um, at this vigil, which up to that point had been a very peaceful vigil. Actually, Princess Kate had attended it um, to show her solidarity. And then to contrast it about an hour or so later, we see all these police officers um, clamping down on it. Because I know there was a lot of, um, uh, not controversy, but there was a lot of debate as to whether it should go ahead because of the COVID restrictions. Um, In the end, it did go ahead but then obviously what happened with the police yeah, and that's kind of reclaim
1: way. these streets won their case yeah. so reclaim these streets said you know because the i think it was the police never actually gave solid reasons for it not to go ahead or it was you know they could have made it safe people yeah. were gonna go anyway yeah, of course. so they could have made it better there's a lot of controversy around what i said as well because i said oh like the police should have been there what i meant was that reclaim these streets asked them to be there in a certain way to help People to yeah. make sure it was safe and everyone was distanced and it was okay to do. So I
0: remember the, from the photos because it was around sort of the I can't remember what like, it's a temple sort of style. It um, was the around yeah, around the bandstand and everyone was what two meters apart for the, for the most part. Candles. I can't even the,
1: comment on that. Unfortunately, that's yeah, no, see this yeah. is a thing. Yeah, I can't comment on loads of things. So that
0: so we get to the point. <coughs> You're on the ground and that photo is taken. You weren't aware that obviously it was flash, but you weren't sort of aware of what was I going mean, on at that there point.
1: There were a lot of cameras around me. Like yeah. I looked up, there were just so many cameras around me. Um how were your retinas? F- I was <laughs> stunned. I was on I i don't like the whole thing feels like a really bad dream.
0: Yeah I can imagine um
1: I still have nightmares about it. It's really oh, weird. Well. Like well, it,
0: it was quite a defining moment for your yeah. life and career really Completely if you think about turned it. it upside down. So then you are released by the police. What happens up next? <laughs>
1: I remember I walked down the road uh, to try and find my friend, um, so we could go home because I, like, I need to yeah, go. Yeah, I want course. to go to bed because um, that is just like my adrenaline was all over the place, um, and I have BPD as well, so my emotions are hard to regulate anyway. So I was just all over the place, um, mm-hmm. and I remember walking down the street, and I think it was like a group of people, and they had put a candle outside for Sarah or something like that, yeah. and they asked me for a selfie. And I'm like in a daze. I was yeah. like, yeah, cool. So I'm like, why do they want a selfie of me? Like maybe they think I'm someone else, I don't yeah. know. Um and then I was like, well, what's the selfie about? They were like, Oh, like you got arrested, didn't you? I was like, How did you know yeah. I got arrested? And they were like, You're on the front page. And I was like, the front page of what? And they said, everything. And I say that in everything I ever say. It's like that moment. I was like, Every- what do you mean everything? And people say, how were you on the front page if it wasn't the next day? I'm like, because online, yeah. everything moves so fast. Well, that quickly. was the
0: thing. I think I remember when I was covering this at the time. Mm. And then, because I remember seeing your photo was one of the first things to pop up when I you search on Twitter and you put... Sarah Everard vigil, and you see all of these events that are going on, and your face is there. My
1: name was one, number yeah. one trending in the world, and I was like,
0: "How does how does that feel?" It must uh, be a really weird. Yeah,
1: I felt sick. I it it feels like not real. Like I'm even tearing up a bit thinking about how I felt back then. Like it's a weird emotion. It's not necessarily sadness, but it's like. Um, just overwhelming
0: I guess it's, and it's your name as well it's very yeah. important to you and
1: someone leaked my name so it, you know it's not something I um could have held on to unfortunately um but again with BPD because like borderline personality disorder yeah. for those who don't know but with that it's very hard to manage your emotions sometimes and in something like that where you've gone viral worldwide overnight I I couldn't sleep uh, my family lived really far away so I had no one around me um And then I think my friend uh, called me up and said, do you want me to check your Twitter for an hour so you can get an hour's sleep? And I was like, okay. I literally had one hour's sleep and that was it. And then the next day I was like, uh, I woke up and my phone, my phone was nonstop with requests. Like every single social media platform. I still got them, like all the messages. I had like Vogue, New York Times. like. Anything you can think of from what, around the world as well. And you,
0: you think fast forward, you think sort of fast back, sort of twenty four hours. Yeah. No one knew who you were, and then fast forward twenty four hours, suddenly you know you've got everyone wanting to know who you are and get 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 that exclusive.
1: Yeah, and someone even asked me um, if they could hang my picture on a canvas on their wall. Like I am, a, my picture is around London homes. Which I find very odd. Like, yeah, the weirdest thing as well is when people say, "Oh, you look so beautiful," and like, I'm, I'm. That's a weird. It's thing. It's not to a see. great yeah. photo of me. Like, I'm. It's an I'd icon- it, say it's a pretty photo.
0: iconic. Yeah. Photo and it's very resemblance of the time. You think you have got your face mask on. Yeah. It's you know, and it kind of, and you consider the circumstances of which Sarah Everard was killed mm. by Wayne Cousins, a police officer. Yeah. To see the police respond, to. A young woman, and this is what I met when well, the first time I met you was at the um at the enough is enough rally yeah um a few few weeks back, and you tapped me on the back and when I turned around i didn't initially recognize you mm. because when I'd seen you on t v you always struck me as someone that was quite quite tall yeah. and when I saw you and I'm looking at so, this very petite foot. yeah, <laughs> yeah. F- petite five foot girl yeah and I think that's kind of what clicked for me because i'm I'm looking at you and i'm thinking there's you know the, the amount of force that was used and you can see it in that photo mm. you have got like what four or five police officers around you pinning mm. you down and you,
1: think, as and you think and you think yeah and you yeah. think
0: that was for one because mm. I, I mean this one is disrespect you don't really pose a threat I mean you don't look like and then you contrast that with um with the police's attitudes towards the um the sort of counter-protest at the, during the BLM uh, movement, the guys who went down to defend statues, I put that mm. in air quotes, because uh, there were no statues to defend. Um, and also with the crowd issues at the Euros as well, mm. some of the, and the, the way that the police sort of handled that. And it seemed like they were just letting fans run rampant. Yeah. And then, obviously, in, in your case, it was, you know... And
1: that's the thing, is I know so much about what happened that night.
0: Yeah. I
1: know about what, what they said to each other. I know... I know so much that hasn't been put in the media because I'm going through legal proceedings I haven't been able to say my piece but when it first happened all the police just jumped on the PR trains and just said sides of the story of like I think one woman actually one police officer said told spoke about one of my friends apparently like one of my current friends we weren't yeah. friends back then but we've become friends through protests and yeah stuff. um and she said i was there and this police lady i said to her how would you like it if you had been raped and murdered yeah and the police lady said oh, there were protesters telling me I should be raped and murdered. It's like, you've twisted that. And they spun it any which way they could. That is the thing with the police, though.
0: There is very much this mentality of we look after our own. You think, um, this is years ago, but Plebgate, which was basically Mm. where the police um, had completely fabricated what this uh, uh, minister had said to a police officer. Mm. Um, This whole idea of of looking after our own and the culture within the police. And we're being told that it's changing within the Met Police. Um, But... uh, big it's, yeah there's a big eye <laughs> yeah. roll I mean, they got rid of crested a dick um but yeah. even then it's you know the, the analogy i was they always say it's like the one bad apple thing mm. and i worked um a few years ago i worked on a fruit and veg stand there's always a policy when you had a pun of strawberries if one of them was moldy you took that one out but you checked all the other strawberries as well to make sure that any they hadn't come into contact with the moldy <laughs> strawberry and if they'd come into contact with that strawberry, you removed it, mm. and in the end, maybe you won't have any strawberries in the punnets, but you you are thorough. Yeah, and, I um, feel like
1: what the police are doing is painting the strawberries yeah. red at this. There's point. no mold here. Yeah, what that's mold? it's supposed to taste that way. What yeah. do you want about? <laughs> Everyone's seen mold in this. Yeah, punnet. yeah, that is basically it. And I think the Met Police, especially, it is all police forces, but because it's so systemic, yeah, and it's not just sexism; it's the racism, it's the homophobia, the transphobia. They are. Awful. They are so corrupt. And the fact is they've come out with these reports only because of public pressure. Yeah. It's not like they've gone, you know what? We've got an issue here. We're gonna come out about it. It's they've they've had to do it through two years since yeah. the vigil and they're finally coming out with a bit and a bit. And well, I guess yeah. there's been
0: so many scandals that you know they, they kind, kind of, of they to kind to of do. start with one. It's like last we've got got another one. Yeah. So we... And there's was,
1: there was a guy that recently that said, Oh, where are the nice stories about the police and the good work we're doing? I'm like I mean, show me one number one, but that is your job. You shouldn't be given a medal for doing your job, for doing the basic of what you're meant to be doing. You know, yeah, it's just. And from what
0: I understand, with um, with uh, with joining police forces, that different forces have different vetting processes. Mm. And do you think that's something that will change and will become? They'll have like one process for all police forces to follow.
1: I mean, hopefully, but to be honest, the more I learn about policing as a whole the more I believe in defunding the police. Um, And I think there's other ways. I think, you know, I used to think, obviously, we need police. Why would we, like, what would we have in place of them? But there's actually a lot of activists who have written books on it, who have done extensive research on how we could live in a world without police or policing the way that it is say for example defund the police and put that funding into youth centers or um ways to stop crime yeah. because if you start in the communities and look after the communities there's going to be less crime anyway exactly.
0: and i guess that the, with the saying like defund the police it's part of these sort of three word slogans we've seen pop up mm. and it's one that people will look at and go what no police what are we going to get but it's really is that it's basically just reinvest <laughs> different areas of society and within the police force itself in terms of sort of learning and Mm -hmm. how to uh, handle certain situations um that but the thing is that's quite a long thing to say so you just shorten it to defund the police
1: yeah and sometimes you know i talk about this stuff and i do i do know about feminism and about women's rights but you know there are a lot of other people who know a lot more about policing and i think what we need to take away from it sometimes is that I didn't have a lot of control over where my image was used and what it was used for and things like that. So a lot of people were saying, oh, this is police brutality. It is in a sense, but it's a very small part of it. Police oftentimes are targeting marginalized groups. That's where it is. And, you know, that's not my thing to talk about. But there's a lot of people out there. Do you think maybe
0: one of the reasons that your image went so far is because you are? A white woman.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, a hundred percent. It's the reason I'm able to have a platform as well. Um, you know, there were there were people there um, who I, I went on the Guilty Feminist podcast with a woman who was black, and she said she had to write down a solicitor's number on her arm and have food with her because she knew she might be arrested. I had the privilege yeah. of thinking that I might not be arrested. That didn't even come into my head. Unfortunately, that did happen, but it's very rare, and I think. That when I was photographed, a lot of white women woke up and went, Oh my God, this can happen to us.
0: I do want to get onto this um, thing because your photo goes everywhere. You're appearing on all of these TV shows, channels, podcasts. You're doing everything, your face is everywhere. With that comes the flack, with that comes the criticism. And one of the criticisms that was kind of leveled to you was this idea that you were trying to be the sort of the face of sort of fourth, fifth wave feminism. How did you respond to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, when it first happened, like I said, I've got BPD. So sometimes um, my brain can sort of go, oh, this is what I am. I'm being told I'm this thing. Um, So I sort of run with it. So a lot of media companies, especially, they will hype you up. They will be like, you're amazing. You're so inspirational. And it's my, you know, it was just... I was in this space where I thought that I was gonna help people in that yeah. way. Um, unfortunately, that's not the way to do it. No. The way to do it is to learn and to listen to people and to really get as much information as you can, and then stay in your lane, basically. Because,
0: as you said before, this you had, had really no in terms of with women's rights within feminist activism. Yeah. You, you had that—that that was your first sort of jump into the pool if you want it was quite the jump to make yeah
1: and uh, like I'd always supported women's rights um in the past um and I'd always been quite outspoken about feminist issues but on a small scale yeah. um and I'm also queer so I'd also talk about that as well um when I was at university I'd talk about women in stem and try and, and push for that um but I'd never really had that big of responsibility on me where young young girls were looking at me as if I was some beacon of hope or you know someone that would give them the information that was needed and really in that first year at least i didn't know what i was saying i didn't know what i was talking about um and it was pushed on me i think because media companies especially are like well she didn't really know what she's talking about but we can use that we can we can make her say things or you know and that's the way it goes but <clears throat> now
0: it's kind of like we can mold you into this sort of exactly. feminist yeah, icon that's... and we can have you saying what we want you to say that you know is not too uh <clears throat> not too radical but yeah. enough to get the conversation going and i think
1: i i learned that mostly when i someone a friend of mine said you know that you can offer these interviews in this platform to other people who are of color who are you know trans people and i'm like that didn't even come into my head. And I don't know why I I just wasn't used to the media. I thought that's fantastic Of course, I'm gonna do that. So as well as trying to donate as much money as I could from like interviews that I get to grassroots charities, um, I'd also, I remember this one particular time where I think it was the um, I had said, I have this person to talk about um, police brutality, which is what they wanted me to talk about. And um, she is black and she is trans. And they were like, oh, we don't really know about that. And I I like, just imagine
0: their faces right now. And it was a phone
1: call and I just thought, this is really what you guys are doing. And obviously it is. People have been telling me this is what it's like. And I think the more we call that stuff out when it happens, the better um, to show that's what happens. So there's, unfortunately, most of the time there's nothing I can do because people will just people will say, the media will say, well, we don't want you on full stop then because you're offering it to different people. We want to see you or no one. Or they will pick someone who is in that space who is a feminist, who, who is transphobic or is something that it doesn't quite fit with my view t- uh, views yeah. on feminism. But, but yeah, so I, that's why I take a lot of the things that I do now and that I'm on TV talking about it. But I think it's important to reiterate as well that every time I do speak about marginalized groups, it often gets cut out, so really? it's you know there's no why do why do you think that is because
0: if that's not media a companies
1: do not care they do not want um they just they they hold a lot of power yeah. cis white men hold a lot of power at the top in politics in media in every company yeah. and if we're talking about how marginalized groups are actually being treated. They may lose some of that power and I think they're terrified. I think they know it's probably going to happen at some point and I hope it does. Um, But I think, yeah, they, they just cut it all out. And I think that's what happened is, you know, with me, I was white woman, very small, very, I look a certain way and they were like, yeah, we can put her as the poster girl I'm, I'm not a poster girl, yeah, so...
0: So, obviously, in the BBC, they've had a bit of a mare mm. the last week. How have you sort of looked at that, and do you think it's similar to your experience? I
1: mean, I have a group chat on WhatsApp, <laughs> um, and it's about uh, how bad the Tories are, basically, in a yeah. nutshell. Uh, I imagine there's, there's plenty of those at the moment. There's, yeah, <laughs> but there's a lot of people in it who are on TV. There's a lot of people, a lot of, um, like, well-known people in this group chat. And, you know, we were chatting about it, and... I mean, obviously, the BBC has funding from Tories. That's the whole point, is that, you know... And they're also giving out a
0: lot of money as well to uh, various uh, Conservative politicians.
1: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) So that's where we get it from, is that, you know, it's the BBC, of course. We would love to think that all um, news channels are unbiased, but that's ridiculous to think. Uh, I mean,
0: everyone's got (laughs) bias. Like, there's no way of removing bias. Um, But I think it's being able to behave in a... Uh, or at least presents in a neutral way. Which Gary, like Gary Lineker wasn't on Match of the Day. Hmm. Uh, you know, making comments and here cutting in from the oh, right it's wing. Yeah, and yeah, like know. you've
1: got Alan Sugar that made comments, and there's so many people I know. have made. And comments. And you think some of
0: the comments that Alan yeah. Sugar has made, particularly about you think his comment, the racist uh, photo that he yeah. tweeted of the Senegalese football team Disgusting. during the World Cup, um, and if the BBC endorsed that, well, I mean they endorse a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, Andrew Neil as well, chairman of the Spectator, mm. and then. Um, you know, Gary Lineker comes on, and goes, "Guys, we um we shouldn't uh, advocate for the drowning of refugees," and it's like, "What? Why are I you doing know. that? Scandalous! But,
1: like, why would you? Why is that even? I don't know why they." And f- I think there well. was the
0: willful mis uh uh, uh, uh misreporting, or we just call it lies about what he'd actually said. He mm. said it. The language used was reminiscence of 1930s <laughs> Germany, and they're all going on about oh he's talking about he's talking about the Nazis, he's calling everyone Nazis. It's like no. He's not.
1: If the shoe fits, like yeah, exactly like if you're if you're
0: offended <laughs> about being called a Nazi for unveiling a policy like that, make mm. of that what you will. You exactly. know, that's um Yeah. Yeah, that's but interesting that you mentioned power earlier. And what we've noticed really in the last year is this rise in influential uh right figures in the public sphere. So, you know, your Andrew Tate, your Sneeko's, Aidan Ross as well, um, with predominantly young male audience talking in quite derogatory ways about women and sort of gender politics how have you sort of found that as a feminist um activist yeah. navigating that uh in your in your time
1: so i i have tiktok uh, i have a secret tiktok as well as my main one but i have a secret one where it's just full of feminist stuff right. um so i see a lot of stuff on there but if you accidentally like or watch one anti-feminist video your yeah. whole page is going to be full of it I think what happens at the moment, we've got a lot of polarisation. Yeah. So, like, people, let's take Andrew Tate, for example. Um, there will be so many videos of his that young boys um, will... I think young boys, a lot of the time, are misinterpreting feminism yeah. and not listening to what it actually means. Um, and so, a lot of straw manning. Yeah, and so they get, you know, they get these videos from Andrew Tate that are talking about motivation and how to be a a good, like, a solid man and an alpha male and, and get that money and get the girl that you want. And those things are appealing to young men sometimes, so that would make sense that those videos are being shown to them. However, there's two different types of videos, so they're being shown this, whereas the women and feminists are being shown where Andrew Tate is saying that he hates women and that he wants a a virgin for a wife or whatever and so when a woman says listen Andrew Tate's really misogynistic the men are like where I've never I've not seen that because it's been so polarized so it's not only the rise of these alt-right guys being so like alpha male and feminist anti-feminist um it's the fact that They don't often see them videos, the ones that we see, you know. So and
0: that's predominantly at the fault of these sort of social media platforms that are pushing this sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, they have a code of ethics. It should be in the code of ethics where, um, you know, that they don't polarize stuff so harshly and that they show a mixed amount of videos, yeah. depending on the algorithm as well, but at the same time I feel like if they're watching a lot of alt-right stuff either that stuff should be banned to a certain extent or um, there should be a warning just saying you understand that you know, these views are not often true, you know they, The thing is yeah. with a lot
0: of that sort of stuff is that the people who watch it are not going to give a, a toss about the about any sort of disclaimer, like I remember with uh, with Joe Rogan's podcast a few years ago, when he was sort of talking about COVID and some of the stuff he was saying wasn't exactly that true, um, and Spotify were facing a lot of pressure to remove him from the podcast, from his uh, from from their platforms. In the end, they didn't, but what they did was put a disclaimer. And at the end of the day, the people who are listening to Joe Rogan are not going to be looking at that disclaimer going, oh, "I should probably probably do my Just own research." They have.
1: To put it there that's the yeah. thing but yeah i think what like to combat that i think in schools there needs to be education about misogyny yeah. i know the mayor of london's put a bit of money towards that and that's good but it's too little too late sometimes you know i guess
0: that's the thing and there was actually a lot of discussions at the start of this academic year amongst teachers and parents on how to deal with people like andrew Tate and mm. the content that they were putting out because it was being uh spouted by you know kids as young as 11, 11 yeah. 12 years old and because it's so easy to access yeah. and you can't well, you, can, can you ban them from no because they're going to they're going to find a way that's the yeah. thing like you know you if, you, b- if you if you if you yeah exactly if yeah. you like ban something people it's just going to make people want to access it more so it's about tackling these issues head on how do you think is the best way to do that i
1: think it's about information and education and role models as well so i mean when i was younger i was on the internet i was seeing all sorts on the internet i was i mean i'm 30 so when i was younger the internet had just come out and we saw a lot of stuff i was on like omegle when you know (laughs) it was the start omegle would just i mean i'm i'm older than instagram So that, I mean, like that's, yeah. Um, So that, you know, I grew up half and half. It was very, but I've seen some stuff and kids will access that stuff no matter what. Um, You know, I wasn't well-versed in computers and I knew how to access that stuff. It goes around in schools. It's just something that happens. But um, I think that if, you know, I had that education and that information, I'd say mid-twenties. And immediately when I was given this information, I started to learn for myself. It's teaching kids critical, critical, critical thinking skills and showing them what is there and showing them what feminism actually is and also having male role models who are it doesn't have to be male but oftentimes young boys yeah. will stereotypically go towards a male figurehead um and i'm trying not to be stereotypical yeah. there no, but it just does look, but i would say
0: that is the case i think with the yeah. male but that's the thing with real, real, real male male role models mm. who do men look at you know for me when I was growing up, a lot of the time we were told, you know, sports stars, footballers, and then it came to a point where we were suddenly told, actually, you know, don't look at those guys because they're not nice people. Yeah. I would say now, particularly with, you know, you think some of the England footballers that we've got, mm. um, very good role models, you know, Rashford, Henderson, uh, Pickford recently did a video, yeah. um, those sort of guys. Um, those are good people to look up to. Um, but I guess, you know, because there's sort of Men aren't young boys aren't sure who to look up to in in that sort of sense. Um, That's why probably they're drawn to you know, the likes of Andrew Tate and uh, the, yeah. these sort of chaps.
1: But that's it. I think more um, male celebrities, in my opinion, more celebrities in general, I think the more people are open about it. I think celebrities at the moment are, are getting into politics a lot more. You see Carol Vorderman, uh, Hugh Grant, I'm pretty sure, was talking about the Tories at some point. Yeah, he, was of, big
0: for bre- he was big during yeah, like, the Brexit side. Yeah, you know, they're
1: talking about these things now. And people listen because they do have a platform, they do have fans. So the more t- people that are talking about feminism, the better um, and you know, what that.
0: kind of feminism do you think is good to promote though? Because obviously, I think everyone, feminism is like a quite a. I feel like i'm I'm mansplaining feminism to yeah, a feminist no, activist. <laughs> Let's do this. This has never been done before. But no, I was so for my, so you obviously got like liberal feminism, you have intersectional feminism, those sort of which yeah. do you think is the best? Do you think sort of promote it, all of them, or is it like
1: intersectional feminism? It has to be intersectional because if we're fighting feminism but we're not fighting racism or homophobia you're not going to get anywhere it all falls under the same thing um so what i would say is that i mean feminism is about equity i would say equality but equity mainly because people have different needs people are complex so um i think raising everyone to the point where they have the same um the same opportunities the same sort of you know they can do the same things without fear um But it's you know, it's so it's it goes so far back, it's very hard to combat all these things at the same time. But I think a lot of people call themselves feminists when they're not particularly feminist. You've got a lot of feminists that are excluding certain groups of women and it's that isn't feminism, you know. Like I once had a friend who was talking about um, being Muslim and he said, Well, those people that are doing harm aren't Muslim because to be Muslim you have to be at peace and not kill anyone and do you know what I mean? So the whole point of feminism as a definition is to be equal with everyone and provide equity for everyone and be supportive of everyone. So if you're actively excluding a group of women or excluding a group, even a group, that doesn't make any sense. You know, like I don't get along with a lot of groups, especially in feminism, but I'm not going to exclude them from conversations necessarily. Um, You know, unless they're causing harm to another group, which oftentimes we see with like turfs and things like that. So it's hard but that's why I'm writing a book about it. Get the book. Do you want to talk you know? about it? Let's talk about,
0: let's talk about this book. So it may sound like a silly question, but that's what's right. it about?
1: Feminism. What? Yeah, I know. Really? It's weird <laughs> for me to pick that topic, yeah, but yeah. I just, you know, random out of the hat. Um, but no, I mean, Bite Back Publishing were very lovely. I was very lucky they came to me um, with it, so I didn't even have to pitch it. I, I, I've I always been a fan of writing anyway. Um, I've written a lot of articles and, and things like that, but um yeah they came to me and said do you, do you want to write a book for us i was like of course as long as i have a lot of free reign with it a lot of people asked if i've got a ghostwriter or anything nope i am writing this whole thing by myself
0: and what's the title of the book I, don't can't can't oh, I can't
1: tell you it's a secret it's very good though it's good title. It's so good, good i can't remember all by myself all by yourself. <laughs> yeah. but yeah no i hope that it's gonna be one of those books anyone can pick up and yeah. relate to uh, within feminism, I guess
0: that's the thing because you know with, with 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 these sorts of issues, it requires everyone to get on board. Yeah, and I, I think, but, but you know, with men for it, with men, for example, in order to sort of get them on board, do you think? Let me ask you this. I sound like uh, John uh, <laughs> Let me ask you something. No, uh, no. um Do you think that men can be feminists? Yes. yes,
1: very much so. Um I know people often call them feminist allies. I knew um a guy who was actually a lecturer at my university. And I don't know if you'll even see this, but I know he follows me on Twitter at the moment, but if you're out there, you know who you are. He is amazing. He actually taught me some stuff with feminism. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where he'd obviously listened to his uh, female friends and really listened and really understood, really done his own learning because women shouldn't always be teaching men. You have Google. Google is so big. You can research this stuff, you know? It's like men will be so into this football team and, like, know every player, know everything about them, the whole backstory, but then they won't be able to research feminism a little bit. Like, it's not that hard. I think, you know, you can research it. You can be a feminist. And the more you talk about it, the better within your lane of course like don't ever
0: i guess i guess with the increase in these discussions sort of comes this um idea of um where we're seeing sort of these constraints being put on sort of social progression and it comes into this idea of whether these aren't my words these are someone else's words this idea of whether women's rights have gone too far how do you How do you respond to that?
1: It's such a load of trash. (laughs) Am I allowed to swear on the podcast? You
0: can swear on the podcast if you want. absolute
1: bullshit. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I just... I think it's such a ridiculous thing to think that women's rights have gone too far when we have, (laughs) like, abortion right laws at the moment. We have, um, you know... At the moment, there is still a pay gap. There's still a pay gap. Um, And the fact is, okay... Ask any woman that you know, a friend, anyone, and ask them if they have a story about being sexually assaulted. And they may not want to tell you. They may say, no, nothing's happened because they don't want to tell you. And that's their own right. But I guarantee almost all of them have. And that shows you feminism is needed because, and it's called feminism because women are, have been oppressed. And that's the whole point. You know, um, I obviously care about men as well. I care about men's mental health. There's a lot of issues that men have that, you know, are sometimes a, a disparity with women's um, issues. But I think if we're all just focusing, you know, if you're raising money for lung cancer, if you if someone comes up to you and goes, why are you not focusing on brain cancer? What are you doing? Donate help. Do you know what I mean, just help, because I'm always talking about men's rights as well. Everyone should be talking about women's rights. Everyone should be fighting for everyone's rights. Human rights. That's the whole point. We're all in it together. Yeah. We're all being screwed over. Why are we fighting each other, you know? Exactly. 100%. Exactly. You know, you've got men who have been assaulted themselves. And that is... That must be so terrifying. I cannot imagine, you know, in this day and age, it's very... Um, it's very hard for men to come forward about things and talk about things. Um to friends to anyone so for me you know I think the patriarchy is responsible for that I think men have created this atmosphere where if you're talking about your issues if you're talking about what's happened to you oftentimes you're going to be embarrassed you're going to feel ashamed you're 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 not going to be supported in the right ways and you won't want to talk to people so it's you know I've seen it myself I've seen Um, friends of mine who are men who have been assaulted and they are so terrified of coming out about it because they're a man because they don't know how to talk about it because they're scared of talking about it so for me feminism deals with that as well it's saying that we're trying to fight for everyone's rights including men and I think that men should have the option and should feel free and without fear be able to talk about their issues and the things that they've gone through. And I think in turn that will alleviate a lot of this, you know, toxic masculinity and and rage.
0: Patsy, before you go, is there anything that you would, that you've got to promote or anything that's up and coming, any up and coming projects? What have you got going?
1: Um, Just the book at the moment. Um, I have some things in the back of my head that I want to do, um, but those things will take a lot, a lot of time. So I'm just taking it day by day at the moment. My calendar is very
0: full <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. well, we, are very glad to, we are very glad to have you here and thank to have you, you as our first guest. Uh, thank you very much, so much for joining us. And to all of you listening, wherever you are listening from, please stay safe, stay informed, and uh, join us for the next episode. Thank you.